Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 2019 was not a great year. A 5% reduction in violent crime is simply not going to cut it for me. I am angry and this has to stop in this city. Welcome into KRLD In-Depth. I'm John Little. 2019, a violent year in Dallas. 209 murders were committed. That was a 30% increase over 2018. And other violent crimes rose too. There was a 14% increase in robberies, 19% increase in aggravated assaults. And even as we rang in 2020, a one-year-old boy, Rory Norman, shot and killed while sitting in the bedroom of his South Dallas home. And police say it was part of a targeted attack. In August, a nine-year-old girl was shot and killed while watching TV after police say that gang members opened fire on the wrong apartment. Reportedly, they were upset at lyrics that a wannabe rapper had been writing about them. Concerned with the increase, Mayor Eric Johnson has created a task force to take a look at the problem and called on the city manager and the police chief to come up with a comprehensive plan to target what is causing the increase and how to address it. We bring in KRLD reporter Austin York, who takes a look at the chief's plan. Well, John Hall's plan really calls for creating an intelligence-led policing division. It's going to consist of over 20 people to analyze data to see where the department should use most of its resources. A 100-officer violent crime response team will also be created, as well deterrent programs like Ceasefire, which tries to get violent offenders to start a non-criminal lifestyle. Now, this plan relies heavily on interpreting data, something that has drawn both praise and criticism from city leaders. I spoke to Alex Piccaro, who is a criminology professor at UT Dallas, and says Dallas needs to catch up with other major cities in its use of data. We live in an age now where 20 years ago we didn't have the world in our hands. Now we have the world in our hands. So now we can actually get the data and where crime is being located in real time to officers on the street. So they can actually, they can actually be proactive rather than simply waiting around for calls to come. I think policing has changed. I think as the, as the department gets younger uh, with respect to more hiring and more younger people hiring, you're going to have people coming into the profession who are used to technology and they're used to being inundated with data. So they, we come to expect data now all the time. And I think that you know, there's, there's an old school mentality that may not be receptive to that. And organizations, especially police organizations in big cities, are very resistant to change. Um, so data and science, that's just the way forward. That, that ship has sailed. So you either have to get on, if you haven't gotten on the ship, you're left at, at port. So that's the way to go. Look, you know, there, there are, the Dallas Police Department is down several hundred officers. And, and this isn't, you know, 20 officers. This is several hundred officers. Um, what the research shows, however, is it's not necessarily the number of officers on the street that matter. It's what the police are doing when they are on the street. 
What data and science allows you to do when you use risk terrain modeling and you map crime around the city and these different kinds of techniques that departments are using now all over the, the country and the world, is that you allow the ability to, of the department to be dynamic in terms of its deployment strategy in real time. Um, and so it's, it's more about what the cops do on the street and when you give them the tools and the analysis and the freedom to go be proactive, um, you know, cities that have embraced that uh, philosophy have done really, really well with respect to reducing crime. But not everyone is convinced that adding data analyzers to the department is such a smart use of resources. I spoke to Mike Mata of the Dallas Police Association. That is an important uh, component of crime fighting, absolutely. But the bigger picture here is, is what units are real effective in fighting crime, and they are proactive units. And those proactive units don't need to be rebuilt for three months, four months, because yes, you might have a lower of a lowering crime for a very short period of time of that fiscal year, but this is about dropping crime throughout the whole year, carrying into following years. And to do that, you need to bring back and rebuild those units that have been decimated in the last two to five years. And those are the gang units, the traffic units, narcotics units, the uh, deployment units, the CRT units at the station. Those are all our uh, entities that were proactive policing entities. Patrol is not proactive. Patrol is responsive to a crime. You need those individuals who are out there preventing the crime from happening, not just taking a report after it occurs. So those are differing views. There's no doubt about it. So what do police seem to want? Well, it's, it's kind of a few things. More manpower obviously is one of them. They're down at least 600 officers uh, since its peak in 2011. But that's not the only thing. Mata told me it's really going back to what has worked in the past. This is not just about manpower. Every major city in this country has a manpower problem. You know, the profession of policing is taking a major hit in recruiting lately. So the excuse that it's just manpower, we've used it, we've done it, it's time to move on. We need to take what we do have and allocate it back into the divisions that were uh, decimated under her, you know, under her command. You know, the uh, deployment unit, completely reduced. CRT unit, completely reduced and gone. You know. We need to fill back those units and, you know, and more importantly, give those division commanders the autonomy to create crime plans within their own little city, their own little divisions to fight crime in their divisions. Because you can't fight crime the same way at Northwest as you do in Southwest. The dynamics are different. So allow the individuals who have that institutional knowledge of their part of the city to fight their part of the city the way they feel it should be done. One area Mike Mata says he would like to see increased is the gang unit in the police department, which has been decimated in the last several years. We have, you know, gangs, guns, and drugs. Those are the three indicators of violent crime of any major city. And any chief in any major city who's, who's worth a grain of salt will tell you that. Those are the three drivers. So we should be increasing and maintaining units that directly affect those. And we should be looking at our county courthouse. And when you have somebody that's got 10, 15 uh, prior convictions or charges for that exact same crime, they shouldn't get a $50 bail to get out of jail. You know, I think it's unbelievable that we had 550 felony offenses that were arrested, arrested people from DPS, and in less than 60 days later, 61 of them are left in jail. 5.4%. That is unbelievable. And the, the, the community that is served should be outraged by that. 
So the Chiefs plan, we know it has some critics. Is there anything about the plan that people like, that anybody likes? (laughs) Actually, going back to Professor Piccaro from UT Dallas, he says Hall's plan also aims to do a couple of things that he likes. She has identified strategies that have worked successfully in other departments around the country, most notably Operation Ceasefire, which is a focused deterrence program that has been used in Chicago, it's been used in Baltimore, it's been used in a lot of cities with a lot of success in terms of violence and homicide reduction. So I really like the the attention to that. And the third thing I liked, which is a nuanced thing that a lot of the listeners may not appreciate, is at the end of the document, the chief and her team said that the proposal was, or plan was a living document. I think that that's really critical. And I, th- I say that because you might install a program today or a strategy today and it may not work. So it's time to revisit the proposal and, and move again. And crime uh, tends to spike and in certain months of the year for certain crime types and it also moves around the city. So you need to have a nimble plan that allows for flexibility and allows for change. Um, whether you know that's for this chief or the next chief or whatever it is down the road, you want a plan to be able to live and breathe, but also be amenable to alteration. Now, I, I heard him mention Operation Ceasefire. What is that? Well, that's kind of the most ambitious part of the plan. It basically calls on members of the gang unit to establish a relationship with respected members of a certain community or even gang members themselves to help try to steer kids or even other gang members away from that life of crime. I spoke to Rashir Nose. Now, he's an activist in South Dallas, lives in South Dallas. He tries to keep kids from choosing a life of crime. And he says the relationship with police in the city is at an all-time low. We do want uh, more transparency. Uh, we do want more communication. We do have some boots on the ground. With having the boots on the ground, uh, we just need some help. You know, we need some, some, uh, some help from City Hall. It's going to be a relationship, yeah. and without a, it's like if you and your wife are not speaking. Yeah, it's not going to work. The house <laughs> is not going to work. <laughs> and he says the key is to provide the people of the South Dallas community the resources to get out. Our goal is to get with as many leader heads and say, hey, let's let's get out and let's do it ourselves. But once we had that meeting, then resources came next. Yeah. Without resources, it's not much you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our, one of our first topics was we have a, uh, a call from a lady at a church. She said there was a lot of prostitution around the church. Mm-hmm. You know, what? that's one of the first areas we wanted to attack. But without the resources to put those people somewhere or employ those people somewhere, then it's like you're talking to a brick wall. And he says what he's seen lately is bad. It's like Texas weather. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, it's 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 one of those things where you have to be, you always have to be on your toes and be safe. But now you never know what's going to happen. Um, and the people in the community is basically um, all ears up now because we never know, you know, whether it's going to be coming from our own kind or coming from DPD. So from that, it seems like there's a lot of mistrust of the police in certain communities. Absolutely. And what the organizers say is they want crime to stop as much as anybody, but they simply need more options in their communities to make it better. 
Ray X. Bolin is also an activist in the area in South Dallas. He says he likes the idea of police getting to know the gang members, but investments must accompany it. Honestly, you know, if you look at it, it will definitely be investing into the neighborhoods, but the investments can't be tied, honestly, and, and it can't be tied fully into the control of the government. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, the, meaning the police officials, just the whole system. It can't be tied because what happens is people that are in the system that are that have positions, rank starts to get in the way. Yeah. So it's not for the people anymore. It's for how his ideal or how he going to feel at the end of the day that he did something. Mm-hmm. Now, we need someone that's trustworthy that can come into the neighborhood to get with the organizations that are already there that are trying to fight these problems that exist. They have the they have the trust with the people already. They have they have the people already. They they know the uh the, the, the gang members. They they know everything that's going on, so get with them to help fix the problem. If they put the trust back into the community builders, the organizations that are fighting every day, risking their lives every day out here, just like a police officer risks his lives. But these people have a better connection to their own people. So, so it's only wise enough to say, hey, let's get with them and help them stop this killing. The, the, the main thing is solutions. And that, 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 that will be one. That, that will work. And going back to Rashir Nose, he says boots on the ground isn't really what is needed in the area. 2019 was not a great year. The state troopers did not make it any better. Uh, I don't want to put any blame on it, but, you know, the city officials are, they have to take the head first. Uh, the governor is is not um, giving us any choice because they're not working with us. We're, we're here boots on the ground, and we just need some assistance in order to be able to help ourselves. But it seems like, it's always coming from one angle or the other. So the mayor, Eric Johnson, he's also appointed a task force on the matter. He came up with his own recommendations? Yeah, John. For Johnson, this is this is very personal. He recalled moments from his childhood at a press conference when he presented this plan. And at, at times it was hard to listen to. The neighborhoods where I grew up, West Dallas and Oak Cliff, were sometimes rough. Crime was simply a fact of our lives, a terrible reality we had to endure. I distinctly remember leaving my family's apartment in Oak Cliff to go to school one morning and having to walk past the body of someone who'd been killed. And so did other kids. But we all had to go to school that day and go on about our business and go on with our lives. My high school years were literally the four most violent years in the history of the United States of America. Since the FBI began collecting violent crime data in 1960, the four most violent years on record to this day are 1991, my freshman year of high school, 1992, my sophomore year of high school, 1993, my junior year of high school, and 1994, my senior year of high school. 
1991, Dallas hit its all-time record of 500 homicides in a single year, more than one killing a day. A couple of years later, a friend of mine who attended my high school was shot and killed in Oak Cliff while he was home for winter break from Texas A&M. That was life in Dallas in neighborhoods like mine. It's tough to think about how high those numbers were, and it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it is, and, and that's why the high murder rate has concerned Johnson so much. His task force on safe communities basically came up with four simple recommendations. First, that get rid of abandoned buildings and lots in high-crime areas, add outdoor lighting in areas where nighttime crime has been most severe, use schools to teach kids to pause before they act, and then try to find someone well-respected in the community, as we spoke of before, to help police steer kids away from joining gangs. Now, Dallas Police Association President Mike Motta really felt these recommendations could work. I'm very enthusiastic for it because, uh, you know, the police department for years, and when I'm saying years, I'm talking decades, uh, ever since I was, you know, first five, ten years on the department, have had a problem with abandoned homes, uh, open lots. Those are uh, probably the the number one uh, attracted locations for the criminal element and those who... Uh, who, who use drugs and commit offenses go and, and operate in those vacant homes. And it's a shame that other people on, that sh- on those streets have to live with that in their community. So the fact that that's number one on the list, I wholeheartedly agree with, absolutely. Um, the second one, lighting, uh, you know, well, we, we tell every crime watch meeting, every house is safer if you have outdoor lighting. So it seems very simple. Um, and maybe because it seems simple, it seems minimal. But really, in the big picture, it actually is a good idea. Uh, the third and the fourth, I'm really, to be honest with you, is probably the best thing long-term, big picture, um, in this whole plan. Because we have to show the youth and the city of Dallas and these communities that there are other professions that are very honorable and are great professions other than having to go to college. Some kids, college just isn't for them. Um, and we have to show them that there are professions out there that the that the the school system needs to help and teach them that they can go out and make a good, honest, great living and and raise a family with. And so um, I love that fact that we're going back to maybe where when I grew up in high school that we had those trades that you could learn. You could learn automotive, woodworking, welding, uh, electronics. Uh, things that are, are great professions, and, and the youth of this community need to be directed towards those. Now, one area of Chief Hall's plan that drew the most criticism is the goal to reduce violent crime by 5%. Mayor Johnson simply had this to say. A 5% reduction in violent crime after the year we just had is simply not going to cut it for me. I believe our goals for this year need to, at the very least, return us to 2018 levels of violent crime in this city, just one year ago. And I've made my expectations clear to the city manager and to the police chief. Striving to achieve anything less than that is tantamount to throwing up our hands and resigning ourselves to the status quo.
Wow, you can't get any clearer than that. Yeah, and it, it wasn't just the mayor who was critical. It's such a low number. Um, if we're if we're looking at 15% from last year, and she's going to only improve it by 5%, well, we, she's not doing anything at all, if that's mm-hmm. the case. I don't want to, you know, beat up on her, but... You, you know, you're the head. Mike Mata echoed those sentiments. 5% is not uh, what we should be reaching for. You know, I, I believe we should reach for something that is reasonable, but we should reach, obviously, for the best possible thing we can. We should be shooting for those 2018, 2017, and, and, and lower numbers that we had much lower crime in the city. And so, yes, I agree 100% with the mayor. You know, I think 5% was put in there because it was an easy marker to hit to show success, and we should be better than that. So it looks like that number will probably change. Well, we'll see. And the the chief will present her plan to the city council committee uh, next week, and they will, of course, give the feedback. But I I don't want to really just bash the chief here because she is making an effort. And Professor Picaro at UT Dallas says officials are united in this city. The strategies that that she's outlined in the proposal are uh, transferable across jurisdictions and have been so for 15, 20 years. So... Um, I, I'm optimistic um, about uh, if the programs, the strategies are implemented with high fidelity, um, that there will be dents in crime. Um, we have to remember, however, that the, the crime of homicide is, is a unique crime type. It's, it's a very situational event. Police can't be in every part of the city under every situation where a homicide may occur. Homicides predominantly are aggravated assaults or drug deals or, or gang battles gone bad. Um, you know, people solve problems, unfortunately, with guns now rather than fists and knives. And so the lethality is by definition higher. Um, so we have to be very measured about what we expect in terms of reductions. This year, Dallas saw, um, uh, you know, a, a very uh, saddening year with homicides. Um, you know, the, the, this, the month of May saw 40 homicides. When you look at May, May was an outlier in, in the city of Dallas. If you look at the trend over time, it's, it's fairly flat. Um, but something was unique about May. And then, the, as you saw, um, and as the listeners heard, the mayor of the city of Dallas, uh, Mayor Johnson, really uh, took it very seriously. Uh, so you have multiple agencies working uh, in tandem to address the same problem. The DA is doing uh, his own initiatives. So what I what I like about this is the city is... is the city administrators are very serious, and they all want the same outcome. Uh, and you have to have both policing strategies, non-policing strategies. You have to have all kinds of, of ways of combating the crime problem, and you need the community to work hand-in-hand hand with the police. Um, you know, I, what I saw last night, the, the chief is going out and visiting different business uh, developments around town. Um, and with the tragic shooting of, of the baby a few days ago uh, uh, here in Dallas, you saw her press conference. I saw her press conference. I mean, she used some language, but I think it was a, a, a very emotional and truthful and honest statement on her part. Um, and she is she is as committed a police chief as I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I've been around lots of big cities and worked with lots of different police departments. Um, she, she's going to do everything she can possibly do. She can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she needs her team and her officers, and she needs the community and the support of people around her. Oh, that's great to hear Dallas has a chief that is committed like that. And it's that community idea that, that really rings true in all proposals and ideas. I spoke with Eric Lindbergh, who owns On Your Left Marketing, and who came to one of Chief Hall's town uh, halls 
with business owners. And he spoke about how productive he feels the meetings were and will help in shaping the department. But he felt it's on everyone to do their part. Growing up as a, as a kid, I'm 48 years old. Um, you know, we were always taught, uh, you know, the police are the good people. And same with fire department, any of our first responders. And there was respect was taught. And I think that's been lost in, in, in a generation. Um, and some of it's media driven. Yes, every organization, whether it's police, fire, or my own company, there are bad people and bad things happen. The media, the media focuses on those things but that's one percent the 99 percent is what we really need to be looking at what those police officers are doing good on a day-to-day uh basis and i would like to see what are some of the best practices that dpd is is using to educate this next generation that's coming up the kids so that they have the same feeling as i did when i was a child growing up as i could go to a police officer when i needed help the police officer would respond I envied those officers. I wanted to be a police officer. I think that is being lost in this last generation just because of the lack of respect um, of authority. And it's not just in police. You see it in schools. You see it everywhere now. Well, there is no doubt crime has been a major issue, especially this past year in Dallas. And KRLD, we will be keeping an eye on how these plans are tweaked and, of course, implemented and the impact that they have. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast, KRLD In-Depth. Every week, we tackle a different issue. For Austin York, great job. I'm John Little. For News Radio 1080 KRLD, your home for news, of course, but traffic and weather as well on the 8s. Thanks for listening to us today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.